Before we start the show, I just wanted to reach out and say that if you are loving listening to The Truth Prescription as much as we are loving making it, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and iHeartRadio, to name a few. And come check us out at www.thetruthprescription.com to get more insights and info, because the truth will set you free if you let it. So you need to know what it is that you want, and maybe what you're trying now isn't going to be the thing to get you there. But as long as you have what it is that you want at the top of your mind, at the, the front of your focus, yeah. you can find different ways to figure out how to get there. Gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sekou Gavis, and each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks, just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears, and let's get into this. Come on. Good people, welcome. Today we're going to switch it up a little bit. I'm actually going to be the interviewee <laughs> instead of the interviewer. My buddy Helen out of Texas, Chris Bello, interviews me on his show, the Entrepreneur Motivation Podcast, and um, we had a good time. We had a good time. We talked about a bunch of different things. We got into sort of my early roots as an entrepreneur, what sort of started that, the power of called the foundational schedule and the Hal Elrod uh, book, The Miracle Morning. We talked about why I do podcasts and how I in, how much I enjoy them, enjoy um, interviewing people and also reaching out to the fans, the listeners, the importance of really focusing on what you want in life and dreaming big and how when you dream big, you slowly start to see over time that those things start to come into, into fruition. And lastly, really just the importance of knowing who you are and not letting others dictate what's important to you. So it was, it was good. I had fun with it, and I hope you enjoy the show. Let's get into it. Entrepreneurial motivation. Let's get motivated. I, I love it. Let's do it. And <laughs> kind of like we were talking before I started hitting uh, record, yeah. we can go in whatever direction you want. I just love covering yeah. the entrepreneurial journey, yeah. you know, challenges that you overcome, maybe when you decided you wanted to do entrepreneurial stuff. I like to kind of start off at the beginning. Like, what did you want to do when you grew up like as a kid? Did you, did you have something in mind? Did, does your life now look like what you thought it would when you were that age? <laughs> The funny answer is astronaut. That's what I actually wanted to be. Everyone initially. wants to be an astronaut, <laughs> right? kid, I guess, right? And then my dad was like, uh, you can't be an astronaut. You can't. You need glasses. You can barely see. They won't let you in. Um, <laughs> now they got LASIK though, right? <laughs> there you go. Right. You can be an astronaut. <laughs> I know. So my grandfather, um, Azel Brown Sr., and actually my uh, my grandmother just passed away like four days ago. So yeah, so it's uh, it's interesting we're, we're talking about him, but he was actually my entrepreneurial motivation. My grandfather owned a pest control business back in the 40s in New York, which is was unheard of, uh, especially being African-American, number one, and then number two, owning you know a business. And I just always remember as a little kid, you know, five or six years old, seven years old, going into his office and seeing his employees and looking around and look, he had um, his own 
what is that called? Like rat poison and chemical rat, uh, insect chemical that he made himself. Oh, he had his own, his, his own basically, his own, yeah, it's like his own brand of chemical. It just amazed me like, wow, this is his office. And these are his people that work for him. And That's awesome. he, he actually owned the building that the business was run out of. Yeah, and it was a mixed use. So it was a, you know, his building, his office on the ground floor. And then he had three units above him. Like way ahead of his time, he spoke, you know, fluent Yiddish, which is like, which is crazy, right? He he worked for a Jewish guy for about eight years, and that's how he learned Yiddish. But anyway, that was my motivation. I said, this is really cool. So I always kind of kept it in the back of my mind, just in terms of always wanting to do business. And then um, at some point, uh, I think this was in college. So fast forward to college, I opened up a store. I had a store uh, in college in my room. I lived on the fifth floor. And I called it the fifth, fifth flow stow. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> the fifth flow stow, I like it. Flow stow. <laughs> and uh, I made a lot of money that year. And it was interesting because I had been a straight A student up to that point. Got, grades started tanking. My grades, once I got to business, my grades tanked, but I had already gotten into medical school. So, you know, but it was just interesting because, you know, you have a, we all have a finite amount of energy. So, as I was focusing more on my business, my, my grade, my grade dropped a little bit, but I still, I still graduated with a three, seven, eight, which is pretty good. Cause I had a not bad, string not bad of 4.0s. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, I would go to Costco, we'll buy stuff wholesale and I would just mark it up hundred, 200%. And I had like hot dogs, you know, <laughs> candy, chips, juice. Um, I would, I would like microwave the hot dogs and put them in a the bun, give you a little ketchup. $1.25. It was cool. So I did that in college and then obviously went to med school, finished med school, did, uh, well, went to, went to, yeah, went to med school, finished med school. And then after my training, I decided to do emergency medicine because I, I liked solving problems. Uh, you know, emergency medicine is one of those specialties where anything can come in, right? You can see little babies, you can see 95 year old, you know, elderly folk, and they all have different problems. So um, at some point I was like, hmm, Probably about two, three years after my training, I was like, you know, I'm comfortable enough with all these cases where I feel like nothing is like, I don't, I don't run into anything. I'm like, oh my God, what do I do? Like I was, I was You'd so past it. All, right? Yeah. It's pretty much seen it all, done it all. Had really good training. I trained at Mount Sinai in, in, in Manhattan. Had really good training. I was like looking for a business opportunity, right? The, the entrepreneurial came back and I started this business called, uh, it was initially called AMPM House Calls, which was basically... Uh, it was a, it was a friend. Yeah. AM, PM, like day and night. But I, I initially, when I started the business, it was me going to homes, hotels, and businesses emergently. If people had, you know, issues or problems and they didn't want to go to the hospital, they would call me. And then after about two or three years, I hired like other physicians and other practitioners and uh, we did really well. And I was actually happy with the business that the income was a little inconsistent because of the, the tourism in New York. There's a there's an actual tourism season. The tourism season starts in like around Christmas and it usually ends around like April, May. And then it kind of slows down a little bit for the summer and then it picks back up. But I was still fine and I was happy with the business. And then uh, I got married. <laughs> <laughs> so... When you get married, you need and you have a family, you need consistent income and running around, you know, the city at three o'clock in the morning kind of doesn't work anymore. As I look back on it, I, I realize if I if I could have built a better, better infrastructure of staff, I might have been able to still run it. But the problem I was finding is that people weren't reliable. Like even with the staff I had, 
you know, I get a call from a hotel concierge, you know, this person's sick. I contact one of my doctors. They say they're on their way. And then two hours later, the hotel's calling me, where's the doctor? And I'm like, uh, then I call it with, where's the doctor? Oh, my dog gave my homework. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, right. You know, the business is, uh, I ran into a few HR issues, but and then since then, I mean, we can talk about it, you know, a little later if you'd like, but um, I've opened up a couple other businesses and that's sort of the, the, the beginning to, to, I think I start I stopped AMPM in 2013. Wow. So you have quite a bit of entrepreneurial experience and stories <clears throat> growing up and in, in, in with the fifth flow stow. <laughs> I love that because you have to pronounce it that way. I have to literally, I can't say fifth floor store because that's that is fifth flow stow. Fifth flow stow. And then we had a little menu I would hand out. It was great. That That's perfect. And I tell people in my story where I can think back to entrepreneurial things as a kid my friend and I would do magic shows and we would charge oh. kids like a dollar or something. Okay. We, we didn't really even charge anybody. And I think we made like 10 bucks just because of some parents <laughs> pitied us and gave us some money. <laughs> kids didn't have money or need money when you're in third grade or whatever. Yeah. I can't even remember how old I was. But then yeah. there was a period in my life where things just kind of slowed down. So like in college, I never really did any entrepreneurial things. I'm really envious every time I meet people who've always had that and it's been on the back of their mind. It allows you to see things creatively and to see opportunities and at least try to pursue them. And you might not stick with all of them, obviously, but each one serves as a learning lesson for the next thing that you go on and do. That's right. Chris, I actually forgot that there was one other impactful experience that I just I just remembered. When yeah. I was around 13, there was this huge, huge um, blizzard in New York, New Jersey area. And I just happened to be with, um, staying with my cousin that weekend who lives in, um, in southern, southern part of Jersey. We were sitting there, it was like, you know, snow up to probably two and a half feet, three feet of snow. There's a lot of snow. He and I went out and we shoveled people's um, driveway for about five hours. And we came back with $150 and wow. we split it. And so I was like, man, I just made $75. In five hours, cash for cash, tax free. This is amazing, <laughs> you know. And I had there was this Nintendo controller I wanted to buy at the time that cost like seventy dollars. So I was like, "This is perfect." So that that also, you know, just the idea that you could, because at the core, I'm really a creative, right? I do music, I yeah. do films. So the fact that I could like do something and, and create these funds off of my activity. Like I didn't have to wait for anybody to give. I was like, Oh, this is, this is great. So that was the other, the other experience that got me really like with the entrepreneurial bug. Yeah, that's incredible. And I, I heard something similar on another podcast recently as well, where they were saying you should teach your kids, people should teach their kids how to earn things instead of just getting money for cutting the grass or whatever. Yeah. They should try to come up with entrepreneurial things, selling knickknacks or mm. create, you know, cutting some, some uh, lawns or whatever they need to do to make money. Yeah. Because whenever they go to buy something, it means so much more now that they actually created that value and therefore the income for themselves. Yeah. Otherwise, you never really know what it takes to get money, right? If your parents always <laughs> buy you stuff and I love my parents, they're great. And they, they gave me everything I ever wanted. They kind of spoiled me in a way yeah. where I wouldn't, I never understood the true value of the things that I got because they would just buy it for Christmas or my birthday. And I never really understood like what value was tied to it. Like how much time 
do you need to trade at minimum wage job to earn wow. a Nintendo 64 controller? I didn't know yeah. wow. until I was 16. And then I'm like, wow, I got to work eight hours pushing <laughs> carts to buy one video game. Like it makes you think twice yeah. about buying that game. Yeah. yeah. No, it's also important. makes you think about how to generate more per hour, I guess. Right. Right. Yeah. It's about, it's really about the income. I, I, I'm a fan of uh, Grant Cardone. I don't know if you know him. Business. Oh yeah. He's a real estate guy, so you should know yeah, him. Yeah, he's up on my vision board up here, too. Ah, okay. Yeah, I love Grant. And uh, Grant always says that people think problem is your savings account or, you know, problem is income. You know, you need to make more money. <laughs> you yeah. know, people think, oh, these taxes, these taxes, screw the taxes. Yeah, if you're make making enough money, money, it don't matter. <laughs> make more money. So, yeah, um, it's, you make a great point. I think that and also just monetary literacy and education is is super lacking. I mean, I wish I would have really learned. Is. My parents gave me a lot, but like, I'm just learning now, like in the last year, uh, like real nuts and bolts, money management. Well, and I'm 43. Like, that's a little crazy. <laughs> yeah. And the cool thing is that, I mean, I always say it's never too late to learn. For example, the other yeah. day I was speaking at a real estate event. It was a kind of an investor networking event. And yeah. I went to go speak for about an hour on my experience in that and how wow. I've learned and Really, it was like a lead generation One hour. for okay. me to find clients. I was surprised because I was like, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to speak for a whole hour. I didn't practice the slides. I just put together <laughs> seven or eight slides and I was like hoping for the best. And <laughs> luckily with the weekly podcast, the speaking, my speaking skills have gotten really pretty good compared to yeah. when I first started. Yeah, I, I have a little bit more that I'd like to go and get better at public speaking and get on stage and bring more energy. But compared to where I was when I started... I knocked it out of the park and everybody was like, wow, you really impressed me. Wow. But there was one couple in the back and I could see at first they were a little skeptical because, you know, I looked young, like, what, what do I know sure. uh, about real estate? And she found so much value, her and her husband, that they actually sent me an email like, hey, we're so jealous that you're already so far into this and you're so young. I wish we started at your age. Mm. And I was like, hey, you know, it's never too late to, to learn. You come across new things all the time. It's just a matter of being willing to learn, right? right. The, the age doesn't matter. You're, you're always uh, pushing yourself in new areas of your life. So I said, thank you for reaching out. I'm glad you found value, but don't get jealous because I just met someone. <laughs> I just met a kid and I interviewed him recently. At 19, he was doing six figures a year in apartment locating. Wow. And when I interviewed him, he's like 21 now. He's wearing a nice big old Rolex. And I'm like, wow. see, compared to that kid, I'm 29 now. And I'm like, I right. wish I started when I was 19. Yeah. I was playing eight hours of video games today. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all relative. And I really do wish they taught the financial literacy. Like rich dad, poor dad should be required reading in high school. Right. Yes. Have you heard the rumor that that book is not real, that he never really had a rich dad or a poor dad? Information is it's a great information aside. Yeah. But have you heard I, that? I rumor? never heard about the rumor, but I mean, yeah. I, even if it was, it's kind of like, I guess, more like a parable, right? Yeah. That's how I would see it. Because the value in that is true. I know plenty of people who have the PhD and they're lifelong students and they never apply what they learn. And it's mm -hmm. crazy to me. Right. So yeah. I actually hadn't heard that rumor. I mean, where'd you hear, where'd you hear that? At? I read, I read that probably seven, eight years ago that he was wow. starting, they, people were starting to scrutinize him because when they started doing research into this other father, they couldn't find it. I still, I mean, the book's still <laughs> such a popular book and it's on so many people's top lists. And yeah. the thing is, it's so simple. Nothing in that book is necessarily rocket science or like amazing. It's all kind of common sense, but the way yeah. it's worded, 
in the simplicity and the graphs and everything, the way they draw like the assets and the liabilities, yeah. it really forces you to reframe your, your way of thinking entirely. And I think that to me is what was even, you know, whether or not it's true doesn't really matter to me because I got just as much value out of it. Because I'm like, okay, cool. I don't care about his rich dad or poor dad. I've learned what I needed to and yeah. I can apply that to where I am now. Information is information and it's great. Yeah. It's great information. I just, you know, I didn't know if you had heard that, but I agree with you that it's uh, it was a transformational book when I read it. I think I read it in college. It's a transformational book. And yeah. um, no, I actually read it after college because there was this guy in my med school class who was buying property in med school. And I was thinking, he was, he was taking his loan check and using his down payments to buy <laughs> row houses in D.C. I went to med school at George Washington. And um, I, at the time, I was saying to myself, dude. What are you doing? What are you doing? Like, class is hard enough. Like, this stuff is driving me crazy. You got time to go. But when we graduated, I think he, and he sold his place. He ended up netting like $600,000 cash wow. in 2002. <laughs> so... These types of things, it's it's a mindset you have to be taught. And he was way ahead of ahead of the curve in terms of his uh, his knowledge. Somebody taught him something. Absolutely. And then yeah. he actually took what he learned and then applied it and took action. Funny, he leveraged the leverage. So he leveraged <laughs> his student loan debt, uh, you know, to to purchase other debt, which eventually he was probably able to use to to pay off med school and then still have some money left over, which is crazy. Yeah, and even going back to the financial stuff and the literacy, I've. Now with social media and Instagram, if you're following the right people, you can learn little nuggets of wisdom all the time. Yes. Back in the day, I don't remember MySpace. I never really learned anything like wealth-wise <laughs> or Instagram, you know, like Instagram posts do today. So yeah. I'll see people talking about how a lot of people buy depreciating assets. They'll buy a car. Mm-hmm. And the way the, the wealthy do it, typically they'll buy the asset first, like an income producing property, and they let the money from that property purchase the depreciating liability, I guess, of the, of the car. So little steps like that where, hey, I want to find an income producing property to buy my toys instead of buying the toy. And now you're stuck with a mortgage payment and a car payment and neither of them are making you money. <laughs> it's just a different way of thinking entirely that yeah. can set you up for success versus, you know, I, I never ter- took any class in school that taught me anything like that. So there's no class in college. It's like how to make a million dollars. But I but I remember in PE I learned uh, the formation of a volleyball court, <laughs> like all these things that you had tests on. And I'm just like you know I never I never learned about financial literacy, but I had a finance class with a bunch of questions. I remember one question in the finance test about a certain agreement that was done, and it was like. The agreement was done in this year under an applewood tree. And you had to know which one was the most false. I just remember that question being so stupid because I got it wrong and I was so upset <laughs> that that was a test question. Um, and I'm like, I, why do I need that information? You know, I'm, here I am, 2019, and I still haven't found a, a single day that I've needed that piece of information. Yeah. That made me yeah. lose four points on that test. <laughs> I'm still so that, upset about it. High school or college? That was in college. That was college. Yeah. Not that to mention the tuition you paying. Going back to Grant Cardone, if you listen to him, he's kind of, you know, he poo-poos college. He went to college, but yeah. he kind of poo-poos it. And, I do too sometimes. I mean, I've got my my school ring somewhere. I don't, it doesn't fit anywhere because I lost, I lost some weight and I need to resize it. In Texas, like Texas A&M, the school that I went to, the ring is pretty important in terms of the network. If I see someone else wearing the ring, it's like a conversation starter of, oh, wow. did you go to school? I mean, what degree did you study and what, uh, 
dorm did you live in on campus? So it's big over here, but still, sometimes I'm not sure, you know, if I, if, if I would do college again, just because I legitimately did not learn anything in college that I'm using now, you know, like, I, I guess basic English, I'm good at English, cool, but business calculus, you know, how to do a matrix or whatever and use a graphing calculator, I can't say I've ever used that a single day of my life. Yeah, there was a there was a lot. Of, I mean, obviously, uh, med school was important. And there, there was definitely yeah. application to that to what I'm doing. But yeah, there was a ton of stuff. Even physics, like physics, was a pain. I got an A, but it was a pain, man. And I don't use yeah. none of it. I guess it. it depends too. I'll always say it depends. Like if you're going to be a heart surgeon, you probably should go to school, right? Yes. <laughs> you probably yes. need some practice and have a supervision. <laughs> Um, but if you're going to do something like real estate, I always joke all the time, you don't need a degree to walk through a house that's falling apart. You just need a contractor who knows what the repairs are going to be. Yeah. And you need to know how to run your numbers to make sure you're buying it at the right price. Right. So, basic math. Basic math. And, right. and I guess self-education too, because you got to know what it is that you want to learn. And now with the internet, you can learn anything you want if you just stay focused because you can get information overload oh and gosh. spend all day learning 50 different things that won't help you move the needle in your business, right? Man, let's talk about your uh, your podcast. How yep. how long ago did you start that and how have you seen the growth lately? What's your favorite part and your least favorite part of podcasting so far? I remember when I was interviewing you, you've had a ton of growth. I was jealous. I was like, this guy oh, went from zero to 100,000 in no time. And I told um, you, I was like, I honestly don't even know how. <laughs> well, my, my show, Truth Prescription, it's been... Um, Heading into it'll be four years in in April. Okay, awesome. In April, yeah, and, and you uh, do a weekly. Is it weekly show? It's, it's bi. It's a bi-weekly show. Bi-weekly, and okay. um, I'm sorry, not bi-weekly, bi-monthly show. Okay. And um, last month we actually had our largest number of downloads. We're at 1,400. There we go. Yeah, nice. Congrats. I was happy about that. My favorite part is really just this: is talking to people is. You know, so fun. extracting, yeah. extracting the information. And before actually talking to them, I really enjoy the um, um, investigative process of finding out who they are at the core and really trying to, you know, I listen to their interviews and I really try to ask them questions they haven't been asked, but I really try to get a, a real understanding of like, what is this person at the core? What's their thesis? If I was able to like open their right. chest up and look at their heart, like what's what would there? you find? Yeah, like what's yeah. at the core of this person? I enjoy that process. Just that really just getting down to the you know, the quintessential nature of, of a person and then having them share their their experience and knowledge with uh, with the listener. That's so interesting. And just like you said, my favorite part is connecting with people. The fact that we're both sitting here having this amazing conversation with pretty good internet connection today. I haven't had any issues at <laughs> I <know>. all. <laughs> like I could see you on video real time. We could send yeah. messages and we're recording this to later share with our audience via YouTube or Facebook or LinkedIn yeah. or podcast format. It's just incredible. And the you may be learning new things and surrounded by influences in in your part of uh, the U.S. that I don't have here, right? right? So we get to quickly share ideas and brainstorm because I may see some eureka moment here that no one in your sphere has had and yeah. I can share that with you and like, you know, vice versa. Yeah, it's it, the exchange of ideas is great. And what ends up happening too is for people listening that may want to do a podcast one day, you end up meeting people that you otherwise may not have met. And so um true. And and that that alone is is valuable. I mean, life's all about relationships, and 
can't really do a you can do a little bit but you know to really really get the success that uh that you need you need you need people to to that you can buy into their you know what what their goals are and they can buy into what your goals are and you work together to to make them happen yeah so, um, that's yeah. so important and just like you said i mean even if i were to go to new york now i remember we talked about this. I was born in New York, but I hadn't been back until I think 2015. Okay. I grew up in Houston, in Texas. My family moved down here. Both my brothers were born here. But I remember when I went there, there's so many people everywhere. The subways, the streets, <laughs> the street performers. Yeah. Even if I were to spend three months there, the chances of me meeting you or sitting down and getting right. to know you would be yeah. so slim. Mm -hmm. I might op open the door for you or say hi or something or excuse me. Actually, no, y'all in, y'all in New York are kind of mean. Right. Y'all don't say like, <laughs> y'all the door open. I might uh, even look at you. I might be like this. You might be like, on, yeah. On my phone. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. yeah so in true. Texas, you know, people like to hold the door and they're like, thank you. And in New York, I know it's just like, all right, everyone's going real fast. And <laughs> I kind of like that a little bit where... I'm getting used to, but I got used to it quickly where I'm like, cool, I don't have to talk to anyone, headphones in, go to where I need to be. Whereas yeah. here, it's a little more like I'll take my headphone out and be like, because I know they're going to say, here you go, or thank you, or good morning, or something. It's so nice. Kind of try to say something nice back, but that's Southern hospitality or whatever. But long story short, I guess I probably wouldn't have met you even if I stayed in New York for a year studying. Yeah. No. Whereas this podcast has been able to connect us. And of course, uh, Ginny connected us. I previously right. interviewed her as well. That's awesome to hear. Like, where where do you see the future of your podcast and like connections? Do you strategically pick guests that you want to connect with, or are you like kind of open to different people at the moment? Because that's as, a question I have for myself. As the show, as I've gotten a little bit more experience, and as the show has grown, and as I'm really crafting the vision, the vision. I mean, the vision is the vision, but you know, it, it requires some tweaks here and there. I am being very selective about who I interview. You're met like Chris Bello, your message is not for everybody. And so if you, you, you really want your audience when they come, they want you want them to feel at home. Like, all right, I'm sitting down, I got my earphones in, I'm about to hear Chris and I'm in a I'm in a good place. And I feel the same way with my show that I want I want my listeners to always feel they're in they're in a safe place and that they're gonna receive a certain thing when they come, which for me is understanding how using the truth can set you free, not only just set you free, but it can help you in business. It can help you in life. It can help you in your personal life. When you ignore truth, you get stuck. And when you right. accept it, you're able to move through to the next thing. And so all the entrepreneurs and business people and artists that we talk to, they give their perspective on that. So yeah, I, I, cause I, and I'm sure you do too. I get, you know, people reaching out to me on Instagram that, you know, hey, on the show. hey, can I be on your show? Blah, blah. And you know, some, sometimes I look at their profile, I'm like, all right, this fits. And sometimes it doesn't fit. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm feeling that too now where I get so many, I can't even use my personal email anymore. Cause somehow oh, wow. there's a way for people to figure out what emails tied to your website. And now I get like, 10, 15 emails a week of people wow. wanting to be on the show. And sometimes it's not the person directly. It's like an agency who's trying to book whoever it is that they're representing, right? It gets a little overwhelming, especially because, you know, like like you, I've got other business stuff that I've, that right. you know, is kind of my priority. Yeah. The podcast is very important to me and I love it. But at the same time, I've been doing it two years, you know, pro bono at the bot, you know, out of the, <laughs> the kindness of my heart. I haven't really monetized right. it. Yet. Love, so right. It's like how much how much time can I spend on that when that's not necessarily paying my mortgage right now? So you've got to prioritize. And at the same time, like I feel bad not being able to get back to everybody, but I have to make sure to 
do that Pareto principle and focus on, I guess, the the 20% of the people that 80% or will have 80% of the value for my audience, if that makes sense. Right. No, it makes perfect sense. Um, you and I talked about this on the last show, but, you know, the 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 miracle equation and the whole how, and how Elrod and the, you know, the, the morning, the morning and how important, you know, the savers, how important being focused in your daily activity is. Um, it, you mentioned it earlier. It's so easy to get scattered. You know, so, so much, so much information. And, but if you, once you have a regimen and you lock in that rhythm of success starts to become, you know, more, uh, more easily attainable. So, yeah, absolutely. And even it's, it's about getting down to the nitty gritty and like, I guess it could be overwhelming because people think that it's hard. It's, it has to be super complex what you're doing, but it can be extremely simple. I just recently went to a training event in real estate in Dallas uh, over the weekend, like maybe a month ago. Okay. And one of the takeaways was that it's it's about working by referral, you know, using your network, trying to get referrals out of friends and previous clients and whatnot. And it could be as simple in real estate, for example, as every single day, just make five phone calls, talk about real estate, <laughs> write five notes, five handwritten notes and send right. those to previous clients, check and see how they're doing. Yeah. And then like, they, they have something called pop buys. I, I heard it as Popeyes, like the chicken effort, but it's called <laughs> pop dash buys. Um, and it's just whenever I've never done this before until recently with real estate, where you just pop by and say hello unannounced and kind of bring something of value. It could mm-hmm. be little cakes, you know, skeleton cakes for Halloween, whatever, or uh, Thanksgiving's coming this, up. You could do something, right? This is for potential clients. This is more on the retail side, like the buyers and sellers versus the wholesaling investment side. Cause that sure. you usually get those leads off market by sending voicemail drops or text messages or direct mail. But for people that I know, like we spoke before we started air or recording, I've got a lot of high school and college friends that are buying houses now. So yeah. that would be more appropriate for them. Maybe stop by their house on a weekend and just drop something off if they're there. Or say, you know, use it as a conversation starter to be like to keep in touch with your clients. Sure. Instead of just doing that deal and forgetting about them, and three years later, they <laughs> they sell the house and they forgot about you because you haven't stayed in touch. And then you're right. like, wait, you know, I thought you were going to call me, and they're like, oh, I forgot you were real estate. That's right. That's right. Uh, that so, is so funny. So I, it could I, be something I, super simple, like just make your calls every day. Daily consistency. Daily consistency. Um, as, as, and it can be like, like you said, as little as, as five or 10 minutes. But I think it's there's something special about having something, an idea or a concept constantly in your mind that does something. I don't know. I can't explain what it does, but it does something. You know, when things are in your mind, they start to, to manifest themselves. And so if you're thinking about like, if you want to be a real estate guy and you're thinking about real estate for three minutes and the other three minutes you're on YouTube, then looking at cat videos probably not going to be successful in real estate. Yeah, that's probably not going to bring me any leads. But <laughs> I, I think I've heard it said from Ed Milet, if you know Ed Milet, he talks about the RAS, the reticular activating system or yeah. something or activation yeah. system. And kind of like what you said, when you're focused on something, you start to see that everywhere. Like if you wanted to buy I remember in high school, I wanted a Mustang so bad for my first car. And I started to see them everywhere. I'm like, oh, look, there's one. There's a Cobra. I'd know the difference between the GT and the Cobra and wow. the different spoilers and all this stuff. It, now I don't even care about cars much. Longer, but whatever. <laughs> it's got four wheels right. and good gas mileage. Like, that's, that's all right. I need. Four to drive, one to hold. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but at that time, I was just like, you know, starting to notice it everywhere. And now I'm starting to focus on things like, 
you know, money. I have friends who have the the check written to themselves with a million dollars and a certain date. Interesting. Okay. And keep it with them everywhere in their wallet. I think Jim I Carrey like talked about that too. And I didn't see that, that, that interview. Jim Carrey yeah. talks about that. Oh, I got to check that one out. That where he had the check and it's a pretty cool story if you look it up. And again, you know, I, I kind of love these stories and I take them for truth just right off the bat. I don't need to see proof and it could be fake or whatever. But I remember seeing a video of Jim Carrey talking about how he wrote the check to himself to make 10 mil, be worth $10 million or $1 million or whatever by a certain date. And then I think the movie that did it for him was Dumb and Dumber, maybe, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Yeah. And he says that he got like the exact amount that he had on his check from that movie. Or wow. Like, wow. Not, I don't know about to the penny, but like it, it was really yeah. cool story and powerful. That's great. Because when you start to focus on those huge goals and the things that even you're not even sure how you're going to accomplish them, things start to align themselves in your life and you'll start to meet the right people, make the right decisions that will start to guide you towards that. That's, entre- goes to that's, we entre- about. that's entrepreneurial motivation in itself. Right there. You know, it's yeah. funny um, guys that are listening that are, that are entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs. This stuff sounds a little hokey and a little crazy, but trust me, it's if you try it, works. it you're gonna like it trust me <laughs> you, yeah, it, it, it works it, it 100 works too if we've never seen something it's hard to imagine you know that it could be possible like if, mm-hmm. if we've never been worth 10 million dollars like i have on my laminated goal sheet yeah it's very difficult to picture what having that money would be like because it's not my reality right but at the same time i could say that with the amount of money i'm at you know, I'm at now, there was one point in time and you, we talked about this before as well, where you thought a certain amount, like maybe 65 grand was a lot right. of money or right. 30 grand or 20 grand. Right. And as you start to level up and you meet other people who treat 20 grand, like you treat a dollar, right. it changes your perspective and you're like, Correct. wow, you know, maybe, maybe I need bigger goals than to make 70 grand a year. Maybe I can make it right. 70 grand a month. A month. Right. What about a day? Right. Right. <laughs> Looking at what Jeff Bezos is worth now. You're, I can't even fathom <laughs> that amount of money. A lot of cash divided yeah. by two though. Cause you know, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I think, didn't that like make her like the richest, yes. one of the richest women in the world? Yes. 150, 150 billion or something crazy. That's 100 so billion. much money. Hey, so listen. I'm gonna tell my girlfriend I'm gonna go find uh, me sugar mama. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she put her time in, so that's true. That's great. But I mean, all jokes aside, it's it's amazing what happens when you set your mind to something and you yeah. really start to dream big and focus on that. So, yeah, I mean, Bezos was just like he told his wife, "Listen, I want to open up a bookstore online," and yeah. she was like, "Huh?" And that that <laughs> I mean that's that's how it started. I want to open up. I want to sell books online. And he started selling books, you know. And look how long he did it. It wasn't an overnight success. No. It's mm-hmm. not like two months later, oh, Amazon is what it is today. Like, yeah, it's it's incredible to see where they've come. And I always use that example. Jeff's up on my vision board too. Oh, he is. Okay, um, cool. He's got, I've got a quote up here that says, be stubborn on vision, but flexible on details. I love that. Okay, yeah. Apparently he said that. I'm sure a lot of people have, but stubborn on vision, but flexible on details. So you need to know what it is that you want. It may be what you're trying now isn't going to be the thing to get you there. But as long as you have what it is that you want at the top of your mind, at the, the front of your focus, yeah. you can find different ways to figure out how to get there. For sure. Yeah. 100% agree with that. 100%. Flexibility is, is super critical. You know, as entrepreneurs, a lot of times we want to be in control of everything. And, you know, we're like, no, it's got to be this way because I have this vision and it's got to, and 
It's nonsense. Sometimes life, do, life doesn't want it to happen your way yeah. on the first try. Yeah, and listen, this whole journey with entrepreneurship is all about um, managing catastrophes and disasters <laughs> and disappointments. Firefighting, yeah. <laughs> you know, so Constant firefighting you know, every day. You can ignore that big uh, um, explosion in front of your face if you want, but it's going to burn and it's not going out until you put it out or you drive around it or whatever the case is, you know, yeah. so you have to be, you have to be flexible. So now that I guess we're getting towards the end of the year, I know a lot of people are talking about goal planning. Have you started your goal planning for 2020? And if so, what's your process for coming up with goals and evaluating how you've done this year? I interviewed a personal assistant today. Awesome. So, uh, okay. Making progress. That, yeah. So I'm definitely making progress. Yeah. My thing for this year is I just want to get hyper granular with my schedule. My schedule is, is after, you know, after reading the miracle equation uh, has gotten better in the last couple months. Um, I've been, you know, able to do a little bit more, but I know I can be a little bit better. I can be a lot better. So just um, my goal really is to automate all the things that you know, as much as possible, all the things that, um, cause I've got like a ton of, ton of stuff that I'm responsible for. So to automate uh, as much of that as possible yeah. and to including someone who's listened to begin it on Sunday night, the person sends me my schedule for the week. I love that. And I, and I'm done. I just focus on my schedule and that includes everything that working out meetings, business meetings, uh, eat, you know, working in the emergency department or working in the clinic, whatever, whatever's going on. Because for me, I, I can really see how once a rhythm is set, it's like music. You know, once the rhythm is set, and if you're playing to the beat, and we'll just say of successful entrepreneur, once you catch the rhythm, you, you can ride it. You can ride it on out, but you've got to be consistent. The rhythm is the consistency. And so that's my focus is, is daily consistency with my schedule, waking up 5 a.m., working out, meditation, education you know, doing what I need to do for my kids and then starting my day. And that involves spending a little bit of time on each of those things that I'm involved in, giving it the energy so that it can, you know, be, it can propel forward. So, yeah. and then also, that's one thing. And he also, I will have a goal to, um, by the beginning, the first quarter of 2020 to purchase a business, to actually purchase okay. a, a business that's already running to help with um, providing me some more income so that I can, pull back from the, you know, the, some of the other things I'm doing and I can really focus on, other, you know, cause basically time is valuable, right? So if I need right. to spend, if I need to spend, I'm just making up a number, 90 hours a month, um, physically working someplace, that's 90 hours a month that I'm not able to spend on my own projects and right, right. not only my own businesses, but looking at real estate opportunities and all these things is time. And so I want to be able to leverage a business for basically time, something turnkey, something where I can hire a manager and put them in there. And so, so those two things, getting really granular and, and, and really hyper-focused with my time and, you know, hopefully automation and a personal assistant will help with that and then, yeah. and then purchasing a business. That's awesome. I'm jealous. Uh, I don't have the personal assistant yet. I do have a virtual assistant who's extremely helpful, but okay. even... That requires a personal assistant or virtual assistant or any kind of assistant, any kind of employee or colleague that works for you or is doing stuff for you. It still requires training, right? Because yes. they're not supposed to read your mind and know what it is no. that you want to do and what you yes. prefer. Yes. So 
even in that, it's not like you just hire someone and your schedule is magically perfect. Done. Right. Yeah. Like, Oh, cool. (laughs) You got it all right on the first try. So that's my biggest challenge is actually setting the time aside to properly train and spit out what's in my brain and like get it down on paper and then add processes, processes and everything, and then hand that to somebody and make it kind of reality and seamless and everything. But is your virtual assistant here in the States or are they um, in India or one of these other Philippines or something like that? Yeah, mine's actually based out of the Philippines. How about yours? Your, is yours going to be? This, this person is lives in lives in New York. So I told awesome. her probably be like 80% virtual, but there are some yeah. times when I need like, you know, like random, like, can you like return this Amazon thing? For yeah, me? yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> random stuff. That's like four hour work week, Tim Ferriss stuff, right? Like yeah. outsourcing every little part of your life that you don't want to. That you don't with. have to deal with if you don't have to deal with it. So I looked into it and, and sorry, listeners, we're, we're going to digress a little bit. Yeah, but I, go, I, I, I looked into the virtual a little bit and how, how has it been with them? Have you, are you having them respond uh, emails or like answer emails for you? I haven't quite gotten to that level yet. Okay. And there's some, there's some, I know Tim Ferriss talks about it in Four Hour Work Week, right? Of uh, some agencies that work for you, and sure they might have like your credit card info for certain purchases, but you can set limits, and then because that security is always an issue or concern, right? Like I don't really feel comfortable sharing a ton of my passwords, especially if it's a like in a, a big account that has a lot of sensitive information in it. Sure. So I haven't had anyone do the email part yet. My vision was, especially for the podcast bookings, that. I already even have an email address for it, for the booking assistant for my, my show. And the idea is that I'll eventually outsource that where incoming requests can be scheduled through my assistant. He can make sure it doesn't overlap with other things on my calendar. Got it. And maybe even vet the potential interviewees to make ah. sure that they'd be a good fit. But of course, right. that means I have to define it so that I'm not <laughs> mad if you book somebody who I'm like, dude, this guy doesn't even... This guy right. or girl isn't a good fit, you know? Right. They don't even own a business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, man. For a message for the entrepreneurs who are, who are just starting, you know, if you have entrepreneurial thoughts in your mind, in your heart, and you think it's something you want to do, just simplify it. Business is not um, complicated, right? All businesses is taking something, selling it for more than what you paid for, Right. And if that's a product, then that's a product. But if you're selling a service, then you sell your, you know, your service for more than it costs you to provide the service. It's not difficult. Now, obviously, there's promotion involved, there's relationships involved, there's time, there's developing your your customer base. But at its very core, very simplistically, that's all business is, is selling something for more than what you what you purchased it for, what you paid for. Right. That's it. So don't be discouraged. Don't get crazy. You don't need an MBA. You just need entrepreneurial motivation. That's exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> motivation, simple goals that you can execute on daily that actually push you towards what it is, your your big goals. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um I have a friend of mine who's a um interior designer and she wants to she works with somebody but she wants to start her own business. And I actually told her that very thing like it it seems gigantic and monstrous and, and unsurmountable, but you just take out a piece of paper, even if it's 50 things, you just write down those down. 50 things. What what are the steps for me to get from, you know, where I am now to where I want to be if it's 50 things? And then you just do one thing a week. In a yeah. year, you'll be done. 
<laughs> and if you're not sure what those things need to be, meet with someone who has accomplished what you want. Sure. Buy them coffee or go to a networking event or sure. have a mutual friend introduce you. Sure. And they will be able to tell you what some of those things need to be. Because like, kind of like what we talked about before, if you've never had $10 million before, how can you imagine having that? Yeah. Well, meet with someone who has it and figure out right. what they did because right. chances are they figured things out and they can save you time if you just kind of use them to shortcut the knowledge. You can't shortcut the work or the success, I guess, but you can at least shortcut your way to figuring out the right steps to take. Yeah, and there's so many, even if you can't meet the folks in, in person, there's so many mentors you can meet through YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just type in, you know, millionaire mindset. You'll get millionaire advice. 50, 50 videos of different people who have done it. And, you know, some of the interviews are good. Some are not that great. But the but point it's is, free. it's free, right? And you're interacting and you're getting a sense of, you know, what what does this really take to, to do what I want to do? So it's, a, it's yeah. a great point. It's not like it was even 10 years ago trying to, you know, try like, you know, if I wanted to meet Tony Robbins, I had to pay five grand to <laughs> go to one of his his sessions. Well, now I may not meet him in person, but there's so much content out there that I can grasp onto that I can, you know, get a lot of what I would have gotten for the 5,000 for free and then decide, oh, okay, well, do I actually want to go see him and, you know, be, be, uh, be trained by him? So, and a lot of times you get so much value out of a free thing that you want to support whoever created it yes, and right. you'll be willing to pay. So I've done yeah. that plenty of times where I got the free thing or I had the free trial and I loved it or I went to a conference and, I bought somebody's book or I bought their course because I resonated with their message. They came from a place of value and not trying to hard sell you. They legitimately just put it all out there and gave you way more. I guess the, the thing is that I hear is to provide way more value. Like if you're going to charge $20, give $100 of value, right? Yeah. yeah. And that is what determines how much people will be willing to pay. And it, the numbers yeah. could be different. You can yeah. provide $1,000 of value and charge 200 bucks. The other thing I'll say about business is, and I realized this um, recently, probably in the last three months, people buy what makes them feel good. So I'll say that again. People buy what makes them feel good. So whatever you're doing, it's providing value is, is one thing. So that, that helped to trigger that memory. But whatever it is, like, why does real estate work? People, it makes them feel good to walk in a home, you know, that's theirs. That, you know, maybe no one else in their, in their families ever owned a home. And now they can even me, I've, I've owned, you know, homes before people in my family owned. When I bought my last house, that was my third or fourth house. I still felt good. It made me feel good. And I think if you focus on that, uh, a good friend of mine who's in sales, he, he calls it bringing delight. He wants to bring delight yeah. to his clients, right? And shout out to Jeff. If you bring delight and you make people feel good, it will sell. I mean, not to get too crazy, but why do you think the porn industry does so well? It yeah, makes people right. feel good. You know what I mean? Now, did you need to sell porn? But in anything you do, whether it's real estate or, you know, in my case now, a podcast studio, we've been at the studio that we really focus on giving people a seamless, frictionless experience so that they feel good, right? And that's what it's really about. Yeah, I've got another thing. I have so many quotes up on my vision board. I got to glance over. But if you heard of like Russell Brunson and ClickFunnels, uh -huh. Yes. Here I have a quote that says, people don't buy what they need. They buy what they want, which is, I, like I mean, that. I think people buy what they need too. Like you need toilet paper. I buy toilet paper, <laughs> but <laughs> right. I want the good toilet paper that's not going to break, you know? Uh -huh. um, but even then, like, you know, the kid who wants the Xbox 
one or whatever the, the Xbox is on. I don't even know. I haven't played Xbox in forever. A lot of people want things and they they'll do what they can to buy them. Somehow yeah. people can come up with the money when, when they really want to buy that car right. or right. so a lot of times people have excuses of why they something's too expensive to invest in or class or course or seminar. But if they really wanted to change their life and the pain of staying the same mm. was more, or I guess. No, the other way. Go ahead. The other the way. Other way. You ahead. have to want it more than the pain that it causes you. I don't know. Well, you, what you're trying to say is that it, it's more painful to change than to stay kind of how you are. Like change is painful, right? Yes. It's, it's difficult. So the moment that it's more painful to stay the same than right. to change is when you're going to change. Exactly. exactly. There you go. Bam. I was like, man, I, I forgot exactly how that <laughs> quote goes. But but it's true. No, it's true. It's, it's true. Because you know that the your own story. More. Yeah. Like your own story. I mean, dude, you had a great job. You were making, you know, 70 something grand. You had a nice savings, right? You were comfortable. Yeah. Young man, single, living. Like you, you live in a life. Like I quote unquote had made it for right. where I was at at the time. Right. Exactly. And I thought I, fin- I arrived. Exactly. But there was that thing gnawing inside of you saying, Chris, there's something else there. You know, there's, there's You're something, there's another more. place. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so and that's the funny thing is, cause at one point that was my goal and that was what I wanted to get to. And once I got there, there became that uncomfortable uncomfortability yeah. of the situation and the status quo. And that's where I started to think like, you, I, it's not all about the money because now I have the the quote unquote money that I was shooting for, but I started to think bigger and you know reading books like Rich Dad Poor Dad for our yeah. work week. Those are the things that really changed my mindset on. Man, I'm still here trading time for money ultimately yes. versus doing something like a commission based or sales based or value based role where I can divorce myself from having to trade time for money. That was the biggest gripe that I had with corporate yeah. America. Yeah. That's a, that's a big, that's a, a big gripe and it's a, yeah. it's a real, it's a real gripe, but having much, to go through traffic. We talked about that last time, having to sit yeah. in traffic and go to a job and sit at a desk. When you, today's day and age, you could do everything remotely. We're here in our home offices. Are you in, you're in your home office again? I'm right? in my home. I'm in my home office. Okay, that's right. You got a little bit of a different background than when we last spoke as well. I think you oh, were like the music side. I was in my, no, I was in my music. I was in my studio, my music in the studio, studio, right? Yeah, yeah. this is an office upstairs. My wife and I share this office, but this is awesome. like an office upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I remember I was like, okay, I don't remember seeing the, the great sleep poster. Behind oh me. yeah. <laughs> no, that's my, uh, so no, dude, I'm doing too many businesses. That's my other, uh, Little, Is that a product-based business? Yeah, it's a, it's a, a sleep, CBD and a melatonin, my little formulation. CBD and melatonin, yeah. Yeah, you want to go to sleep? Take that. <laughs> <laughs> www.naturalrx.com. You That's check it cool. Out. Yeah. yeah, I know CBD products are becoming bigger. I met someone recently who opened up a CBD shop. He he works in real estate, at, like his day jobs at um the multiple listing service in Houston called yeah. HAR, I guess, but he also has a CBD shop. That's great. In the South Side, with which good his fam. wife runs, which is really cool. Yeah, good for him. Good for yeah, him. Yeah, so people yeah, people stories. are starting to get more entrepreneurial and, and realize that you need to have diverse streams of income and not rely on one single source. Because if that source dries up, you're in trouble. You're in trouble, man. You're in trouble. Or even if the source doesn't dry up, like you might get sick. Right. Yeah, and but you if you can't, can't work anymore, yeah. Right, you can't you work. you got to learn how to develop those extra streams. I was listening to this. Uh, I think it was, oh, it was, we keep talking about, we keep talking about Grant Cardona. He was talking about some guys that he knew that were making like eight eight 850000 a year and they just got fired. 
then went from 850,000 a year to zero. You know, his point was if they owned a couple properties or some businesses, that no one could ever do that. It wouldn't be a big deal. Yeah. 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 So it's crazy. Because at the end of the day, you could still be a high paid individual, but that's still that source, once it dries up, it's, it requires your time in order for you to get paid that. If you're able to invest in a few properties where you get that quote unquote mailbox money every month from tenants, or yeah. you have some kind of affiliate commission income coming in monthly, um, subscription service, business, something like that, yeah. you have some kind of predictable, steady income, regardless of what happens to your job or the right. economy or whatever. Right. I mean, for, for people listening, if you want some entrepreneurial motivation, just think about this, that when you work for someone, they literally control your life. If they decide to fire you, I mean, they, they could fire you. Maybe you have some recourse, maybe you don't, but they have the, 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 the ability to do that and completely up and then change your, your circumstances just based off what? what off nothing. Yeah. You work for even a large company. My wife works for J&J. They recently fired a bunch of people. She wasn't fired, thank God, but, um, and we're married. So, you know, that's part of the benefit of being married. Those people that were fired, they've got to, you know, they've got to go find other jobs. So, to be at someone else's basically beck and call, someone else's, uh, uh, be under somebody else's control, to me, is way more than enough entrepreneurial motivation. So, <laughs> definitely, you know, just listen, just take that. I mean, for people that are listening, can you imagine if you went into your job tomorrow and your boss was like, you know what, we don't need you anymore. Just like that. And you got kids, you got mortgage. Just, you know, when, you know, when else to hit me, Chris, a couple, this was like maybe six months ago. Remember when they had the government sh- shut down? Yeah. And people didn't get their, their checks for like, I think it was two pay periods. Mm-hmm. And just two pay periods, people would like having to sell their cars and like eat ramen. And it was crazy. Now, some of that is because yeah. we talk about, you know, financial literacy, people not saving, you know, putting their money in appropriate buckets and doing that kind of stuff. But right. separate from that, the issue that we're talking about entrepreneurial motivation, like who the hell wants to go through that? Yeah, I don't get a nobody. check from this external source. So now I'm having so to like, I don't get to eat. Right. I'm eating ramen or I got to sell my car. I got to walk to work. Like I can't afford to buy gas. What? Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> Yo. That's definitely being in a bad spot. If you're relying on, if you're living paycheck to paycheck and relying on a single stream, then it's time to start doing thinking a little more creatively and doing a little more work after work to make yes. those streams and set yes. them up. That's motivation enough. That no. that absolutely is. Yeah, man, we talked about about a lot of great stuff here. Mindset, your story, overcoming. Yeah. I guess we haven't really talked about maybe overcoming like a challenge, right? So, do you okay. have an example of one challenging thing that you've really you had to muster up all the courage and faith in you to overcome? I think for me, the lesson I learned, and I'll go through this quick story, but I learned the lesson on the personal side, but it's something that I use in business. Knowing who you are is important and knowing what you want is important. Sometimes yeah. we allow other people to dictate what's important to us because we've allowed them to, for whatever reason, something going on in our psychology. But as a business person, it's really important that you just really know who you are and what you want. So for me, I was married before. I'm in my second uh, marriage now, happily married. And um, the the net net of it all was that I allowed this other person to sort of uh, dictate what was important. And our relationship essentially imploded when I started to wake up and say no or realize that I don't want that. Uh, And this was like maybe three or four years in. 
and we ended up it was getting a divorce. Now I'm truncating the story because it's very long, but <laughs> the net net of it is, you know, I was in a situation, I was in a relationship with somebody where they basically had the reins and I was allowing them to pull me whichever way realized ultimately that I actually had all the power. And that's the funny thing I always talk about with leadership. You know, people, they look at somebody like Trump or Obama who are any, any, any powerful person, right? The person is only powerful because the people under him have decided to make him powerful. It's a position. Yeah. You're so it's when you think you're like underneath someone or someone's over you or someone has control over you, they, no one has control over anybody. You're giving that person that authority control. of you. Exactly. And so that's so true. I learned that, but then more so I learned that like, who the hell is Sekou? What does Sekou want? What does Sekou want in this life? And, and you so- can reinvent yourself too, right? Like yeah. I just posted it on my story today. I said, who do you want to be today? Yeah. Like you can decide who you want to be today. You can that's change right. it if you don't like the story. Exactly. For sure. And my license plate says one life to live. And it's that's awesome. one, one LF, two LV. It's so important you know, to reinvent yourself, but to really attack each day with some sort of gusto and passion. Purpose, and yeah. Purpose. Because, you know, like I said, my grandmother just passed away. She was 90 years old. She lived a great life. Um, she wasn't sick when she died. And then the, on the other spectrum, not to get so morbid here, but on the other spectrum, I have a, a cousin whose funeral I'm going to today, who's my age, was driving his son to school and just had a heart attack, died. 40, 40, 41 years old. So life's short, man. <laughs> like, yeah, this and, thing is like, like that. And, and the thing is, tomorrow's not promised either, right? No, like, no. I, tomorrow's I'm not promised. Too. I Five minutes to is not promised. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I always tell my mom, I'm like, hey, the bus could come through my house right now, go through <laughs> three bedrooms and kill me right here. It, <laughs> the chances, I don't know. Maybe maybe a plane's coming out of the sky or a comet. You never know. Right. Um, never and know. I get stuck in that mind frame too, where I'm like, you know, I, I just turned 29 recently. I'm like, oh man, I'm going to die when I'm like 98. I already have all this stuff <laughs> planned like out, right? Great. So I visualize having a long, happy, fruitful life, but yeah. At the same time, I could maybe tomorrow I won't be here. And that's the that's the scary thing. Yeah. And we get these wake up calls with social media. It's easy to see, like, whoa, I remember meeting that kid a year ago. It's great. And he just passed away or whatever. Uh, for example, I worked with a guy at uh, HEB. It's a grocery store here when I was 16 or 17. And he was this Polish kid who was about my same age as me. And I didn't really know him that well, other than my summer working there bagging groceries, or I was probably there for about a year. And he actually passed away in a motorcycle accident a couple of years after that yeah. at the age of 20, yeah, 19 tough. or 20. And I went to the funeral because I felt like I kind of knew him. We had some mutual friends and that was tough because you think about the could have, should have, would have, if he had been wearing a helmet, if he didn't have a motorcycle, if he wasn't there on that street that day, yeah. maybe he would still be here today. And, and that scares me too, because like, my brother has a motorcycle. So you know, it could happen to Ouch. anybody at any time. But yeah, tomorrow's not promised. So you got to live every single day to the fullest for sure and know what your purpose is. Yeah. Like, you know, if people listening have any type of religion, like, you know, God, creator, whoever, and they, they, that person, that, that entity didn't put us here to be miserable. Right? Yeah. They, they want us to be happy and abundant. So try to abundant. try to live that way. I love that word. Abundance, abundant. man. It's, it's such a big thing. Abundance. Abundant. We talked about that on your show too, the, the abundance versus scarcity. and Oh, yeah. It really does feel good to have that abundance mentality because even in my low points when I didn't have a whole lot of money and I had the credit card debt piled up and whatnot, (laughs) I still, 
I started to give a little more freely without being such a penny pincher. You know, I gave yeah. a kid who filled up air in my tires, you know, a discount tire. They'll fill up air in your tires for free if it's low. I tipped them like five bucks, which is like pretty wow. good for a minute of tire more. filling. Yeah. And it's it's marketed as free. You're not really required to tip or anything. And so, right. and again, going back to perspective, millionaires and stuff are like five bucks. It's like nothing. You, you should have made a 50. And I, of course, oh, hope to get there one that's, day. That's $300 an hour. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But the thing, <laughs> the thing is that like when you start to give more abundantly and you know that money is something that can be created quickly, if you're focusing on it and you're adding value, mm. you're not as concerned about giving $5 or $50 or $500 away because right. you know you can generate that. Yep. And when you're in that spirit of giving in abundance, you're less in that scarcity mindset where you're worried about how you're going to pay your bills and make your next your next income or commission check. And it's a really powerful place to be. So that's one thing I challenge people in the audience is to try to give a little more money away, donate to charities more often. And you'll be surprised at how good you feel because you are a money magnet, right? Law of attraction. Tell yourself that. I'll I'll also tell the listeners, know your money. If you don't know your money, know your money, meaning be intimately aware of like how much you're actually making, how much you're actually spending. And the reason I say that is because have a budget. Budget is important, but to your point, I think, and 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 I'm I'm only saying this because it happened to me. Once you actually look at how much you actually have, you're like, oh, okay. Like I've I've actually got more than I think I do. Like this five dollars to this kid is not going to kill me. So some of it is just like being aware, education. Like I I started doing that recently, and it was like, oh wow, okay. It just kind of frees you up. And I, I've got a friend who has everything tracked down to the T. He knows how many pennies came in today. Like he knows down to the penny how much money came in and out of his accounts today, which is that is next level. And hopefully, in my next mastermind group meeting, I'd like to get a conversation to see how he does that effectively. Yeah, because it's great to have that level of clarity of like, here's where I'm bleeding out the most. Do I need that? And there's apps out there too, like Clarity Money is one of them that shows you what your top spending categories are. So it can kind of use technology to highlight where you might be spending too much or have subscriptions that you don't even utilize. Yeah. Mint. That level of clarity can be helpful as well. Mint is another one. Yeah. Yeah, I've used used Mint. So there's lots of good stuff out there, but... I'm glad you mentioned the mastermind. People listening, if you can, join an entrepreneur mastermind, man. I mean, it it magnifies and multiplies your success. It really does. You can speak to that. Well, because it's just you're you're leveraging the power of other people. Like we're all going out here in the world. You and I we're reading books, listening to podcasts, uh, meeting new people, getting new ideas, and so are all the other people who are in your mastermind group. If you were to join one, right? And so whenever you get together every two weeks or once a month or whatever it is, it's amazing to see like all these ideas that I just spent the last two weeks finding and searching for. Maybe somebody else has other missing pieces of the puzzle, and together we can. It's like the Power Rangers. Uh, what's, what's that guy called? Uh, the Megatron or something? Or about Voltron? Mega, Megazord. Megazord. Oh, I think it's Megazord, right? We're all like the dinosaurs come together and they create right. that one big robot. Like that's yeah. essentially what all our bits and pieces of knowledge can do. Yeah, they can combine and create a force that's unstoppable and take down the bad guy at the end of the day. That's right. That's right. And, and the bad guy is uh, his name is laziness. Laziness. Yeah. <laughs> 
laziness and negativity and self-doubt that's all those are all the bad guys that's right you want to knock them out yeah. give them an elbow boom take that elbow take this elbow yeah. to the head <laughs> definitely. <laughs> definitely man so what would be one key takeaway that you want our audience to to take away from today's episode key takeaway would be the truth will set you free if you let it oh that's so you know, good. yeah mind just, blown i love that line just just know yourself be honest with yourself, be honest with your surroundings, know what's going on inside and outside, meaning how you legitimately feel about things, make it important and, you know, don't ignore it, accept it. You know, if, if you're not good at uh, a particular thing, accept that and either hire somebody to do it for you or get better at it. Yeah. Because it's all about just transparency. Just if you're, if you're clear and honest, it starts with knowing who you are and what you want, what I said before, but then right. you allow the truth to guide you you'll get where you need to go. Because if you run into a door, that that door is there for a reason. It's trying to teach you something. You can either learn for it, or learn from it or be mad at it, right? But if you're mad at it, you're not accepting that truth. So definitely accept the truth, let the door teach you what it's going to teach you. And then the door will disappear and you can keep moving. I love that. That is extremely <laughs> powerful. The truth will set you free if you let it. And a lot of times people got to think about it you know, it's easy to say these cool little quotes here and there, and then people might just dismiss it. But if you really think about it and dissect it, it you can see how powerful things like that can really be. Yeah. So, yeah. man, I love that quote. Well, so, hey, Dr. G, this has been yes. amazing. Thank you so sure. much for taking your time to jump on this show. And sure. if you're ever in Houston, you know, hit me up and I'll hit you up when I'm in New York. I actually have a friend that lives in Houston, so it may really? be sooner than you think. Yes. I'm down. We'll grab <laughs> Absolutely. All, all right, right man. man. Hey. Thank all you. All the best. All right. Take care. Peace. Peace. <laughs>